Multiple sources report that today, January 9th, is in fact Balloon Ascension Day. This marks the occasion in 1793 when the first flight of a hot air balloon took place in Philadelphia, with George Washington in attendance. This is the sort of strange fact that fits alongside all of the other strange facts you will encounter in the rise and fall of every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs, hoping to levitate a few things myself. On today's program, a suspect has been identified in Sunday's murder in Belmont. Another look at legislation coming up in the 2023 General Assembly, including a bill that may take away the ability for localities to set their own policies for school discipline. There's a new COVID variant out, and Council holds a public hearing on the first reading of the renewal of a lease for the McGuffey Arts Center at a slightly higher monthly rate. In today's first Patreon-supported shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance has had a busy 2022. By the numbers, the RCA kept an eye on water quality at 69 monitoring sites, assessed the effects of 245 road stream crossings, and conducted 46 trash cleanups. They engaged 1,002 students and 1,100 volunteers logged 3,156 hours doing work. In the summer and the fall, the RCA sought input on a plan to restore the public access point at the Rivanna at Charlottesville's Riverview Park. With your help, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance can do even more in 2023, so consider making a contribution. Visit rivannariver.org to learn more. The Charlottesville Police Department has identified a Maryland man as the suspected shooter in yesterday's shooting in Belmont that left one dead and another in critical care. Jose Omar Rivas Sorto has been charged with a count of felony shooting from a vehicle. Police responded to a call of shots fired in the 400 block of Monticello Road at around 1.40 p.m. Sunday and found two people who had been hit by bullets. Osvaldo Lopez Hernandez of Texas was pronounced dead at the scene, and an as-yet-unidentified man was taken to the University of Virginia Hospital. That individual had been with the deceased, and warrants have been issued for him to be charged with felony abduction for a pecuniary benefit. Rivas Sorto was arrested at the scene. The criminal investigation is ongoing. As 2023 gets underway, one major change is a decision by the Virginia Department of Health to stop reporting daily case counts for COVID on the public dashboard. These now come out on Tuesdays on a weekly basis, and last week the seven-day average on that day was 2,428.6. The next weekly numbers will be out tomorrow. The underlying data for daily counts is still available, but not until this public release. For those who don't need to look at the numbers, masking is still fairly common and recommended by health professionals for those who are concerned about picking up a respiratory illness in public, 
Patrick Jackson is an infectious disease expert at UVA Health. I think it is quite clear um, that if you consistently wear a high quality mask, and N95 or KN95 is, is the preference um, uh, over a surgical mask, uh, which is much better than, uh, than a cloth mask, is that that does offer um, some protection. Dr. Jackson said mask mandates are a separate question, and there have been studies to determine if they are useful or deter people from actually wearing masks. He said masking choices are an individual decision at this point. My current practice for myself um, is that I wear a mask uh, when I go into crowded environments where it's low risk or or low cost uh, to me to do so. Jackson said community transmission is high across Virginia and that high-risk individuals should continue to wear masks. He and other health officials are keeping an eye on new variants. The XBB variant uh, is a new variant of COVID-19 that uh, arose as a, as a recombination event between two of the previous Omicron variants. Uh, it was initially XBB1 and now XBB1.5, which has an additional mutation, is, is really kind of taking off. So XBB1.5 is really outcompeting the previous COVID variants, um, essentially uh, around the world um, right now. Dr. Jackson said there is no evidence yet to determine if this new variant causes more severe forms of illness, but it is more communicable. He recommended people get the bivalent COVID booster if they have not already done so. Time is running out to list all of the various bills that have been pre-filed for the 2023 General Assembly, which begins on Wednesday. My hope is to track the progress of some of what seems interesting. But check the reading material at the end of each newsletter for more reports from my colleagues in the media. Here is another list. Delegate Jason S. Ballard has a bill that would prevent many incarcerated people from being considered for release upon turning 65 under the geriatric parole program. Delegate Bill Wiley has a bill that would take away local power to control disciplinary procedures for disruptive students. Instead, only the Department of Education could set those rules. Three bills from Senator Amanda Chase are similar to ones filed in the past. SB 832 would define parental rights in public schools. SB 833 would prohibit health officials from requiring COVID vaccines. SB 834 would repeal the ability to keep permanent lists of absentee voters. Another bill from Chase would require the consent of a property owner before a public utility installs a smart meter. Delegate Keith Hodges has a bill that would establish a framework for the creation of a retail market for marijuana under the Virginia Cannabis Control Authority. There is a bill in both houses to create the Problem Gambling Treatment and Support Advisory Committee. Delegate Paul Krizik has introduced HB 1465, and Senator Bryce Reeves has SB 836. Senator Mamie Locke has introduced a bill to allow localities to require the registration of buildings that have been vacant for more than a year. Locke has another bill that would require the director of the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development to conduct a statewide housing needs assessment every five years. Delegate Tim Anderson has filed legislation to require anyone involved in the sale or service of electric vehicles to certify that forced child labor was not used in the manufacture of parts or the vehicle's assembly. Delegate Scott Wyatt has filed a bill to once again require photo ID before someone can vote. 
Cyclists and those on scooters could follow the direction of walk signs at controlled intersections if SB 847 from Senator Barbara Favola makes it through. And finally, Favola has another bill that would prohibit the issuance of search permits for menstrual health data. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And since the very beginning of this newsletter, one Patreon supporter who has been there since July of 2020 has used his shout out to draw your attention to the work of the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives campaign. The campaign is a coalition of grassroots partners, including motivated citizens and volunteers, partner organizations, and local governments who want to promote the use of native plants. We are now well past the beginning of winter, and if you're already looking forward to the spring, now is the time to learn about what you need to plan to attract pollinators who will keep native species going. To learn more, visit plantvirginianatives.org to download Piedmont Native Plants, a guide for landscapes and gardens. One last long story today to get us through. For many years, the city of Charlottesville rented out properties throughout the city with no central way of knowing who was where, how much they were paying, and whether the public was receiving any benefit by subsidizing tenant rents. Last year, council was briefed on efforts to get the issue under control. Now, the city is considering renewal of the lease with the McGuffey Arts Center, which is housed in a former elementary school in downtown Charlottesville. It's been used by artists, artisans, and artsy people for several decades. Brenda Kelly is the redevelopment manager for the city of Charlottesville. McGuffey Arts Association has leased this building from the city since 1975. Amanda Liskowski is the executive council president for McGuffey's current fiscal year. We are an arts association that's run like a cooperative, run on committee um, and on sweat equity. We have 100 associate artists in our community who exhibit in our space and teach in our space, as well as 50 renting members who have studio space. This is one of the first leases to follow a new template set up by the current city administration and it is not without significant upgrades to the way the city will do business. This is a new format that was prepared by the city attorney's office that more closely reflects a standard commercial lease agreement. The new agreement will also list what the fair market rent for the property would be, as well as how much work the tenant will bring to the property. The latter can be classified as an in-kind donation. In Article 7, we are now requiring a security deposit equal to two months' rent upon execution of the lease agreement. The Department of Works will also now outline terms of use for each property. This work has been called for by Councillor Cena McGill, who has wanted to make sure the public's values are represented in who gets to use public property at a discount. Is an agreement that we started in the 70s still reflective of the needs of the community. It might very well be, but what's happened is things have become rote and therefore never re-looked at um, as to whether or not they are still meeting the needs of the city of Charlottesville. At the time of this discussion, 
Councillor McGill had not yet announced her resignation, and Kelly had not started reviewing the McGuffey Arts Centre lease. Then she did. The proposed lease rate is 2593 a month, with an automatic annual increase of no more than 3%. There would be a five-year term. The city would be responsible for maintaining the building as well as some landscaping services. That language was not present in the previous lease, which had not been updated in several years. Under the new terms, the McGuffey Arts Association would be responsible for mowing the land and removing ice and snow, or at least paying the city to do the work at the McGuffey's cost. The new lease structure will not apply to businesses who rent directly from the Office of Economic Development. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said many endorsement deals contain morals clauses that allow cancellation if one of the parties does something reprehensible. He said the lease in front of him seemed to not include such a provision. I don't know that we would have any authority if somebody was not behaving uh, in an equitable manner. I don't know if there's anything in here that would allow us to do anything about that. Kelly said she felt there were ways out for the city, should that be the case, with a tenant. But she would double-check to shore up the language. One speaker at the public hearing said the McGuffey Arts Center often serves as an incubator for other cultural programs in the city. Here is Estella Knott. Uh, the Civil Sabroso Festival started at the McGuffey Arts Center. Um, and uh, because I am of Mexican descent and I love my community and feel that we have a lot, we have a rich cultural heritage. And when um, immigrant people come to our community here in Charlottesville from different parts of the world, they bring with them so much from their cultures that are. Um, that are that are rich uh, visual arts, performance arts, um, food, dance, uh, values, traditions. Not said over 400 people came to the first event, despite being on a rainy day. The festival has now grown to welcome up to 7,000 people. And the last one was held at Washington Park. Not said the city's indirect investment by providing affordable rent allowed such a thing to occur. Snook said he felt the city could still be getting more from this deal and others like it. The amount of rent that we would receive even with the increase would be roughly 40% of what the taxes would be if we gave the property to you and said now pay us taxes. Um, I don't know that I'm necessarily inclined to say that at some point down the road, we ought to be looking for everybody to at least pay the amount of the, of the taxes, though that kind of makes a certain amount of sense to me, that if we're foregoing you know, $50,000 a year in taxes, we ought to at least get $50,000 in rent. Snook said he did not want to impose that amount now, but that sort of a policy should be considered for all rentals within a certain amount of time. City Councilor Michael Payne said he was fine with subsidizing spaces for groups if they meet a city need. And I do think that we should frame it outright as these leases are basically a subsidy and support for public spaces and nonprofits. And to me, the relevant policy question is do we want to support public spaces and nonprofits? Payne said McGuffey should be maintained as a non corporate place. He said the alternative would be to create another place like Dairy Central, where attendance requires the public to buy something. 
I'm glad we haven't yet neoliberalized the entire city, but maybe we'll get there someday. A sticking point was whether there was sufficient detail in the lease to assign the McGuffey Art Center with the responsibility to pay the city for continued mowing and snow removal. Interim city manager Michael C. Rogers said the city may not be able to keep that work up anyway. I mean, we're having a hard time in, in, in some cases in, uh, you know, filling positions in public works and, you know, to maintain our, our, our facilities. And, and, you know, I'm concerned about the strain that, uh, that, that places on um, the facilities that we occupy. The information on that item will come up at the next meeting. A new public hearing may be held if the lease is significantly different enough to merit that particular public notice requirement. Otherwise, it will be on the consent agenda. More from the Charlottesville City Council meeting from January 3rd in future editions of this program. But that's the end of installment number 481, and would it were that we could find another day in the week so that there could be more editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement? Until such time-bending activities are made possible, efforts will be made to increase efficiency. What does that mean? Stay tuned as episode 481 blends into 482 and on into the future. There's a lot to get to, and I am committed to doing the work as long as there are enough paid subscribers. And we are off to a great start for 2023 with a whole slew of new subscribers, paid and otherwise. If you decide to pay, the internet company Ting will match your initial payment. They don't get any of your information, but they will help support this brand of community journalism with this unique sponsorship. And if you want to upgrade your internet provider, check out Ting. You sign up for a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code community, you will get a $75 gift card to the downtown mall, free installation, and a second month for free. Thank you very much to everybody for listening. There will be another one tomorrow. Please do, if you can find it, check out 5th District Community Engagement. Uh, the second one for this week went out today, so there's a lot out there, and I'm really glad that I get to do it. My name is Sean Tubbs, and I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen today. Thank you.